Hi, my name is Scott Kerland, and my best friend Lils Martin hates musicals. I'm Lils Martin, and my friend and acquaintance Scott Kerland loves musicals. Wait, what? But I don't like I don't like begrudging for it or anything. Wait, I don't know. I said you were my best friend, and you just called me a friend and acquaintance. Yeah. I was working really, really hard on creating this podcast for you where I show you great movie musicals and bad movie musicals because I love you, but you want to be a dick. We were supposed to record this promo for Hell is a Musical, and what are we doing right now? Sounds like we're recording the promo right now. Hell is a Musical on the Zero Science Network. Be there. You have one option to listen to this podcast, and you screwed it up. I, I don't know if I want you listening to us talk about Pleasantville. I gotta think about it. Yeah, that's right. For Stars and Gripes, we're continuing with Reese Witherspoon, and we're talking about Pleasantville. So you know what that means? It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Hiya, bud. Hiya, Skip. Hiya, bud. Hiya, Skip. Bud, can I ask you a question? Sure. Well, if I was to go up to your sister, what I mean is, if I was to go up to Mary Sue... Oh, my Sue, God. Are we in that episode? What? Oh, I don't believe this. What's the matter? But you want to ask her out tonight, right? And then you want to give her your school pin. Yeah. How do you know? Tear me apart, Lisa! Oh, dang. I'm so excited! I'm so... <laughs> Would you mind putting that gun away? My wife doesn't care, but I'm a very timid fellow. You idiot. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Redder's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Curland, and we continue Reese Witherspoon Month, our stars and gripes. And if you're curious what the gripe is, the gripe is... Reese is great, and she hasn't had a second Oscar. She only has one for one nomination, so all month long, I'm going to just be bitching about that. Uh, my guest is a first-time guest. She was on my other podcast, Hell is a Musical. Uh, you may know her from uh, the Geek vs. Nerd podcast. Uh, she has a stream called Weird Crushes. It is Miss Jenna Sokalski. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing Reese. Oh, no problem. I mean, I'm always a sucker for Reese's pieces of cinematic glory. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> as we call her tomatoes. As we as we call her on this podcast, Reese's Weatherspoon, or as I call her on <laughs> Big Mouth. Uh, so you, I, I gave you a list of of a bunch of Reese Witherspoon projects. You you kind of gravitated towards Pleasantville. Do you want to give us the blockbuster rule for Pleasantville, and then we can go into your relationship with Pleasantville? Okay, sounds good. So, so back of the movie box, what does it say? Back of the movie box, uh, two totally modern teenagers played by Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon. Are having a are having an argument over uh, who gets the remote because uh, because uh, she's got a date 
he's got a Pleasantville marathon to bone up on for the big trivia contest. Yeah, don't say uh, bone up on. <laughs> <laughs> and so a, a magically mysterious uh, cable repairman shows up with a super retro themed remote because he thought Toby McGuire here would appreciate the retro aesthetics of the remote considering what a Pleasantville fanboy he is. <laughs> So classic argument, just mirroring the TV. Both Toby and Reese are arguing over the remote and whoops, they're transported right into the TV show Pleasantville. And Back to the future style uh, hijinks ensue <laughs> in which uh, they try to make sure not to delicately uh, rock the Pleasantville world, but with some changes comes beautiful technicolor <laughs> i would say that th this movie like should be on the weird crushes because you can do the debate of jeff daniels versus william h macy if you were joe oh my Allen. god yeah that would be a really good weird debate <laughs> or weird crush debate rather <laughs> i mean jeff daniels all day long but <laughs> oh totally but then you got bill but macy like this is this is so complicated <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I mean, William H. Macy, Macy, like, he just, he, it's like, he has such a sympathetic face. Yeah, he, sometimes he has a face that you feel so bad for, and sometimes you just want to punch it. I mean, on a bad day, maybe, but, like, I mean, Like, shameless. <laughs> like, shameless William H. Macy. Oh, right. The TV right. show, not, not. Not shameless course, William yeah. H. Macy, not him and his wife paying for his kids to get into college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone forgot that for a minute, huh? Yeah. Woo! So, what is your relationship with Pleasantville? Uh, so, I remember uh, seeing the trailers for this when it came out, and I just thought it seemed really pretty, because uh, I watched The Wizard of Oz religiously growing up, so, like... Anything that's like, oh, it's a black and white movie, but everything turns to color. It's so pretty. And like, I remember seeing it in the theater with my sister and her friends. And I definitely, I definitely came away from it, like thinking, okay, maybe, maybe I'm a little too young for this movie. Cause yeah. It's like, I was like 11 or 12 when it came out and I'm like, what's she doing yeah. in the bathtub? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like and, my my eleven year old brain was like, so everything's turning to color around her, and that's making her say "Wow!" Like I was eleven years old, I didn't know what <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> Although to be fair, if everything suddenly turned to color around you while you're having a bath, that would be wow worthy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that must be a really good bath because like the tree lights on fire, and now I. Was <laughs> Like, I didn't realize until I was in high school what was going on. I was like, oh, my parents let me watch this all the time. Fair, yeah. Like, I mean, I knew, like, the idea of just, like, oh, they're all making out in the cars. But definitely not those nuances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love how Reese Witherspoon, I mean, the the way this is kind of pitched. So I watched this back when it first came out, like a million times, I had it on VHS. I loved this movie. And I loved it be being a full like cinema snob. 
I loved it because it was black and white, and then, as you said, it went to color. But I also just liked the storytelling. And then when mm-hmm. I, I didn't, as a kid, I didn't really realize that they were talking about civil rights. Yeah, like, I mean, when you watch it, like, as an adult, it's like, oh, oh, this is not subtle at all. <laughs> so, oh, no, this is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> And they they literally took stuff. So there is a famous documentary about the Holocaust and the Third Reich called The Sorrow and the Pity. And they took scenes from that. The mm-hmm. smashing of the, the glass, that was from Kristallnacht. And the book burning was also from uh, Nazi-occupied Poland. And Gary okay. Ross, the man who wrote Big, was like... Um, it's like, yeah, you know, we, we need to relate it to like m- moments in time where stuff wasn't okay when people weren't okay with change. And then mm-hmm. the the ridiculous thing is I just remember not expecting any of that when I saw this as a kid because I remember the trailers like, from the guy who wrote Big and Dave. <laughs> and then you're really big on the single world titles. Yeah. But you realize that the movie Big, it's like, oh, yeah, Tom Hanks is a 13-year-old boy who falls in love with a 30-year-old woman. And in Dave, it is a man pretending to be a dead man. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, Gary Ross, man of subtlety. <laughs> so a little fun fact about this film. Reese Witherspoon. So we talked about Legally Blonde last week and yeah. how Reese was eighth picked for that movie there were like eight other actresses including Charlize Theron um Christina Applegate Christine Taylor Drew Barrymore uh the one I forgot to mention for some reason I can't even believe that I forgot this was Jenna Elfman from Dharma and Greg and Melissa Joan Hart Melissa Joan Hart was originally picked to play Reese's role in this movie and she said no I mean Considering, like, I remember there was, like, a time where it's, like, she posed on, like, Maxim or some Maximesque magazine cover, and she caught a whole lot of flack for that because she was in, like, a uh, a very family-friendly TV show. And so I would... That I happened would to Jessica Biel, too, right? To, yeah, Jessica Biel as well. Uh, yeah. Anyone so on, the, on the, the WB? I, yeah, WB, ABC, or... yeah but uh once again reese witherspoon takes her role meant for someone else and does really well and did you notice in the credits that reese witherspoon was like the and credit yep i was like i didn't even this is the movie where i discovered who reese witherspoon was i was like and reese witherspoon who is she (laughs) because this was before cruel intentions this was before legally blonde this was before election Wow. I guess maybe they just like, I don't know, like, if she did any other movies like before this or not. Yeah, she did Man in the Moon, Jack the Bear, and she did Twilight, not the Robert Pattinson Twilight. It's a Paul Newman, (laughs) Gene Hackman movie. Okay. Uh, Oh, she was in Fear. That's why. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, that was 96. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So she gets the coveted and credit. That's that's insane. Yeah, like considering, I guess she was just that young at that point to even get like the and credit. Yeah, 
and Reese Witherspoon as the sister who is tired of basically sleeping with men. Yep. I, I love that line in the movie where she's like, why why haven't I turned color? Everyone else mm-hmm. has, you know, turned color, and I've been to Lover's Lane more than anyone else. <laughs> and then you find out, it. I guess to turn color in Pleasantville, you have to be the opposite of who you are. Or you have to change for the better? Yeah, or I feel like I just interpret it more as just like, you like make a personal change within yourself. Yeah. And then that's when you become color. Yeah, and I love the thing that turns her into, you know, a real-life person is she has to read a D.H. Lawrence book, and she's like, it's kind of sexy. And he's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, that's your sister. <laughs> yeah, it's a little strange. Yeah, there there are moments where Tobey Maguire talks to Reese Witherspoon. Like, it's like, don't you know that that's your sister you're talking to? Like, it, when, when, when he's yelling at her, like, not to go out with Paul Walker... With mm-hmm. which, how sad were you when you saw Paul Walker and the first thing he was, he was in a car. Yeah, like I definitely had that moment where it's just like, whoa, wait, is that Paul Walker? And then, oh, he enters in a car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that doesn't age well. Ew. Yeah. Uh, um, Paul Walker in this movie. So I was listening to Blank Check. Uh, the blank check podcast and they were talking about how paul walker went from being in comedies this is kind of a dark comedy but he's really funny in this he he kind of is like yeah i mean he plays like the the like 1950s like squeaky clean boyfriend role really well like the gee willikers yeah yeah the whole the whole you know i was gonna ask you if you wanted to go you know out for a malt but I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> like, and I didn't know if you wanted to, you know, get pinned. And I love how she's like, well, I can pin you at any time. He's like, silly, how can you put a pin on me? Wait a minute. <laughs> I also love his reaction when he's like, I think I got to go home. I think I'm sick. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, no, that's supposed to happen. <laughs> I mean, a lot of this movie, watching it now, is kind of cringe. Also, the fact that you have two 20-year-olds playing teenagers, and it's very obvious. It's the whole, like, Grease or, you know, I guess now Dear Evan Hansen um, thing where you have teenagers, uh, not teenagers, you have, like, 30-year-olds playing tw- uh, 16-year-olds. I don't know. I'm a bit of a baby-faced 30-something, so it's like... Yeah, they looked they looked uh, they looked teenager or teenager adjacent to me. <laughs> kind of, Toby Maguire a little bit, but Reese Witherspoon not so much because like Reese Witherspoon, she she looked more like Elle Woods. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I could definitely see her looking very like I guess late teens, early twenties in this. Yeah, where Toby Maguire. At the beginning of the movie, he looks really young, but you could tell that he oh, was God, aging yeah. rapidly because by the end of the movie, he he had a five o'clock shadow. Yeah, and and there's just like the obvious like veins in his neck. Yeah. Also, the fact why is he like God in this world? <laughs> because he's a fanboy. There are some places that the road doesn't go in a circle. 
There's some places where the road keeps going. Keeps going? Yeah, yeah, it just keeps going. It all keeps going. Roads and rivers. But, but like, when, when a, a true fanboy would, like, try and keep the order and keep things from changing... I mean, he tries to. He tries to, but then, like, he goes with the flow. I'm just saying that, like, uh, the real, like, troll, like, fanboy Stan would have been like, no, things have to stay the same. And he would have been on the side of, like, the evil mayor. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, now that you point that out, it's like, yeah. What what it turns out is I guess that him and his sister are considered the writer and director of the show like they're supposed to be because they're rewriting everything and mm-hmm. the town the the i guess big bob is his name jt walsh's character yeah is supposed to be the voice of the network being like no you can't you can't have people sleeping in the same bed they need to be in twin beds and like mm-hmm. you can't go to technicolor so it's basically a metaphor for creative art versus studio interference yeah which like now that you point that out it's like i can definitely like see that level of interpretation where it's just like i guess it's like when you have like the newcomers in the system yeah and you can tell that oh something is different about them but same but they just have a completely different mindset and they start to make waves and higher ups uh, so used to being in such a position of power as soon as they realize, oh, things are changing and I don't have a say in it. Also, are you a fan of uh, the original Say by the Bell? Um, I mean, I definitely like watched it and stuff, but like I don't have the same emotional attachment to it as like, I guess, a lot of like self-proclaimed 90s kids like i will definitely laugh at it yeah did you notice that the math teacher mr dewey from saved by the bell was one of the guys one of the bowling buddies he was (laughs) he was the guy whose wife burned his shirt oh okay okay yeah i just i remember him from that and airborne with uh seth seth green and uh oh jack black's in that too yeah so i i just see him as mr dewey the math teacher i'm like he he can't be another other things like this is the movie that realized made me realize that actors can be in other like movies and stuff sometimes they might even be playing the same archetype (laughs) yeah also william h macy looks like he should be in the 50s like oh completely same thing with like joan allen joan allen too jeff daniels not so much Mm-hmm. Jeff Daniels felt kind of out of left field. Paul Walker a little bit, but like Reese Witherspoon and I didn't. Did you notice who one of her friends was? Ah, oh, God, I don't think I caught it. It was Maggie Lawson from Psych. Oh, okay, okay. And she she's the blonde who when the, they use this image on the movie poster. She's literally Maggie Lawson, first role in a movie. She's on the movie poster because the eye in Pleasantville is the the couple making out in front of the soda fountain. That's her. 
How how is that for being your first movie and you're on the movie poster? That's insane. I mean that is definitely a wild like that is definitely a wild turn of events. So there's some there was some controversy when this movie came out. Um Frank Darabont who made Shawshank Redemption tried to uh sue for creative license because the image of uh, Toby Maguire out in the rain with his arms out is exactly like Tim Robbins from Shawshank Redemption. He's like Gary Ross. Is like I didn't even realize that. I that's just what you do when you go out in the rain. It's okay. It's fine. There's nothing to be scared of. Here, I'll show you. It's just rain. It's okay. It's fine. Come on out. See? Look. See? Yep. I mean, I definitely thought about that as well. <laughs> Wait a minute. They ripped off Shawshank. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's even really so much they ripped off Shawshank as it's like, I feel like it's just such a common image of like just standing out in the rain with your arms up just like oh yeah let it rain on me yeah <laughs> toby why are you saying that it's tuesday and the sun's out <laughs> but the other funny thing with this movie is i don't understand why toby mcguire goes back he has an amazing life. He's like a god in this town. Yeah, that's he, the thing that didn't really make sense to me, like towards like the end, where it's just like, okay, um, you have a woman who I loves you. Usually, huh? I said you have a woman who loves you. Marley Shelton's yeah. character is in love with him. His mom oh, thinks completely. the world, and he's like, you know what? I always wanted a girlfriend. I always wanted to, you know, have a loving mother. I'm gonna leave now. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like i like i get that like scripts usually have like that sort of that sort of like uh conflict or resolution where it's like oh somebody has to stay behind for one reason or another i was frankly kind of surprised that it was reese witherspoon that like stayed behind and the reason why she stays behind is so heartbreaking she's like i have to stay here because in the real world they think i'm dumb and i'm like that's incredibly sad yeah. But the fact that she goes to Harvard Law School with her tiny little chihuahua dog, it just makes sense. <laughs> what, <laughs> Ed Cannon accepted. Uh, well, what if everything just blends together, all of her movies? Like, <laughs> she's in 1958 now, she falls in love with Johnny Cash, and then she goes to Harvard Law School. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just call it the Witherspoon verse. <laughs> the Witherverse. Yeah, the Witherverse. The Unispoon. <laughs> <laughs> But the entire premise of this, I guess this was pitched to the studio. So this was New Line Cinema. So do you remember New Line Cinema in the 90s, like before they got the rights to Lord of the Rings? I feel like my my main sort of association with New Line Cinema, I guess, probably was just like a lot of comedies and stuff. Like I know they had like Austin Powers, The Mask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's basically, they would make, so they were a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. They made the more indie comedies, like comedies that could be made on a cheaper budget. They didn't really make big budget movies. They were an indie studio. And at this 
time period, that's what they were doing. They made this year was the year that they made Pleasantville and The Wedding Singer. Those were their two oh, yeah. biggest hits. And I can see how. <laughs> and today, Warner Brothers flat out bought them out. So we will never see another Pleasantville. We will never see another Pleasantville, which is heartbreaking. Oh, that because, is genuinely sad. Yeah. So New Line Cinema basically greenlit this movie, which today, if someone came with a script to uh, a studio and they're like, it's kind of like the Twilight Zone, but it also is a nostalgia throwback to classic television. And it also comments on, you know, um, uh, civil rights movement and Nazi Germany. They'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. It's never getting made. Or like they would try to like tailor the script to adapt it to whatever franchise is currently chugging along. What if Tobey Maguire is a sexy vampire? <laughs> like, <laughs> But uh, this was pitched to them as basically like a Twilight Zone episode where it is. Yeah, and totally. Because it is. <laughs> there is an episode called uh, What's in the Box where they literally have a TV repairman dressed exactly the way Don Knotts is dressed. Same mm -hmm. remote and everything. I think that it would be great that instead of him going back, when he tries to go back, the remote breaks and the movie ends kind of on a sad note where he's just stuck there, but he's kind of content, you know. Just hanging out on the uh, on the standby image. Well, the other thing is he says that he's going to return to check on Reese Witherspoon in a couple of days, which is weeks to them. You know, what if he can never get back? <laughs> oh, God. What if he... Okay, that that's another level of ex existential horror right there. Yeah, it's like, man, my girlfriend will be waiting for me, and, you know, I'll be right back. And then he tries to get back, and he can't. And uh, Margaret is dating Whitey now. <laughs> oh. Like, that entire scene with Don Knotts with him being like, those weren't your cookies. Those were Waddy's cookies. <laughs> it, it was kind of, you know, upsetting because it, it makes you realize that the original Bud and Mary Sue were such wieners on the show that yeah. that, that they, they couldn't even garner, like, a boyfriend or girlfriend. <laughs> like, it, like... There's only so much that being so clean cut and wholesome can get you. Yeah. <laughs> Even in just such a world that where wholesomeness is rewarded. Yeah. And the crazy thing about this movie is the first hour is pretty much focuses on Reese Witherspoon. And then the second hour focuses on um, on Tobey Maguire. And they did that mm -hmm. on purpose because... As they talked about, everyone remembers the first couple of seasons where it's all about Mary Sue, but no one remembers the later seasons when it's about Bud. Huh. <laughs> I did not catch that. It's like, wow, great. You broke me. This broke me. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing that we haven't even talked about is Don Knotts is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I definitely remember, like, watching it being like, oh, my God. 
you'll look and sound and feel so familiar. And then by the time the credits rolled up, it was like, oh yeah, done knots. I see what y'all did there. This was his last movie ever. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, he lived for another 10 years up. after, but but this was his last movie. His last live action movie. He was the voice of the mayor in uh, Chicken Little, but that's about it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But even then, I still feel like it's a good fitting note for like a live action movie to go out on. Yeah, role wasn't even written for him. It was written for Dick Van Dyke. Okay, but, that uh, that's another alternate universe where I kind of want to see how Dick Van Dyke does that role. <laughs> he just jumps into the TV, starts tap dancing with him. Where did those shoes come from? Just always had them. <laughs> but with with Tobey Maguire, this was the role that got him Spider-Man. Oh, I, I would absolutely believe it 100% because he is so believable as kind of the dorky teen boy. Yeah, he's like very Peter Parker in this. And oh, completely. When he punches out that kid, all of a sudden I just heard vindicated. Vindicated. I am selfish. I am wrong. <laughs> well, he is selfish. He is wrong, but he is right. That was so right. <laughs> I, I, I just hear like every bad Spider-Man theme song from. There were three Spider-Man theme songs for all three movies, and they get substantially more emo as they go on. It starts off, the first movie was Nickelback. Yep. The second movie was Dashboard Confessional with Vindicated. Mm -hmm. And the third one was Snow Patrol. Oh. (laughs) Those soundtracks are like... Somebody check in on (laughs) Spider-Man. Man, Spider-Man's sad. He must be back in Pleasantville. (laughs) How could this happen to him? Also, the fact that the first thing to turn into Technicolor um, was a rose because of romance, I'll say. Yep. Sex. <laughs> metaphors, baby. <laughs> I just I just picture like the head of New Line Cinema like going down to the to the recording lots and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to the set of uh, Pleasantville today. Apparently they got all these 1950s cars and like the head exec comes in and all these cars are just rocking back and forth. All right, I picked the wrong day to bring my mom. <laughs> or just like bring your kid to work day. Hey, what are they doing Dad, in the car? Why are these cars rocking? <laughs> oh man, let's go to the malt shop. <laughs> Wait, why oh, is Oh no, why is all these nude paintings? Oh god, why did I bring my kid today? I'm gonna get... my wife is gonna leave me. <laughs> god, I hate being William H. Macy. I don't know why in my mind William H. Macy is the, the movie exec <laughs> with with his with his poofed up pompadour hair. Like I mean he does dress like an executive like the entire time. Yeah, but even when he's smiling in this movie, he looks like he's on the verge of tears. Yeah, because, like, I mean, like, like he just has one of those faces where it's, like... Hi, uh, him him and Adrian Brody have, like, the saddest eyebrows in the world. Yeah, where it's just, like... Like, there's the concept of, like, resting bitch face. They have just resting sad face. <laughs> they, they have sad punum. 
They have, they have, they have a droopy face. Yep. But I, I don't understand why William H Macy feels so entitled. Like I understand it's 1958, but mm-hmm. like he's like, "Honey, I'm home. Where's my dinner?" I feel like, like it's not. A, I don't know if it's really like entitlement I got, but it's just the sense that it's just like, wait a minute, something's different. I don't know what's happening. Like, this is pretty much just the life that he's known, like, through just his entire existence. And to have that suddenly shaken up, it just throws him through a complete loop. Yeah. And my question. That's at least my take on that scene. My question to you is Do you think they did, like, a bewitch type of thing where they, like, replaced him as the husband love interest on the show and didn't tell anyone replace him with Mr. Johnson or is, are they now in a thruple? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, because both men love her and she clearly loves both men. Yeah. And also the well, way see, they like- end the movie. <laughs> so what's going to happen now? I don't know. Do you know what's going to happen now? No, I don't. (laughs) I guess I don't either. Oh, God, yeah. The movie is so, so ambiguous. It's like William H. Macy is on the left of her, then pans to Joan Allen, cuts back to the left, and it's built, it's, uh, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. It's like, where the hell is Bill Macy? Oh, God. <laughs> it leaves so many questions. Yeah, because it's like, okay, okay. My brain's doing like. The oh, work no, I right broke now. you. I, I, I cheaty broke you like in the good place. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Jeremy Barramy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where does William H. Macy end and Jeff Daniels begin? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jeff Daniels in this movie, so at the trial scene was modeled after To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, clearly, staging and everything. Well, on Broadway, Jeff Daniels is playing Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. Ah. So it, it's like so art imitating life, it, or life in, imitating art, I don't know. It's just let's get meta. It's so meta. Like they're like, hey, in about twenty years, there's gonna be a horrible virus. But after that, Jeff Daniels is gonna be on Broadway. <laughs> oh God, it just reminded me of like the start of the movie where it's like the flashes to like different classes in modern day nineteen ninety eight and like the science teacher is talking about global warming, which is very much just like a, oh, y'all don't know how bad's gonna get in 20 some odd years. Contracting HIV from a non-monogamous lifestyle will climb to one in 150. The odds of dying in an auto accident are only one in 2,500. Now this marks a drastic increase. From 14 years ago, when ozone depletion was at just 10% of its current level. By the time you are 30 years old, average global temperature will have risen two and a half degrees, causing such catastrophic consequences as typhoons, floods, widespread drought, and famine. God, I didn't even think about this. So the sex ed teacher is talking about 
HIV and and unprotected sex, and then like the rest of the movie is in 1958, and they're all having, yeah. Oh God! Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Thanks a bunch, Gary Ross. Oh no! I used to love this film. So many babies. <laughs> oh, there's so many things wrong. <laughs> but uh, her her friend at the beginning, her friends at the beginning, uh, Marissa Rabisi from Dazed and Confused, and one of my uh, crushes growing up, Jenny Lewis from True Beverly Hills, The Wizard. Oh, yeah. She's also in the band Rilo Kylie, and yep. she is a performing artist herself who I have seen twice live. Nice. So she looked familiar. Oh, I love Jenny Lewis. I've always had a crush on Jenny Lewis. Um, nice. But I love how she, Reese Witherspoon, basically asks out this guy in front of her friends and then the next scene she's on the phone with Jenny Lewis saying yeah and then I said this I wanted to hear Jenny Lewis's voice be like yeah I know I was right there (laughs) (laughs) although to be fair it's like when you're in like teenage girl mode where it's just like oh my god so he like gave me a piece of paper and it just said hey on it yeah, Today? I know. I was standing was like, right next to you. I was that kid. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I only have like three or four really close friends because I was the friend who'd be like, "Yeah, I know." I was standing right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not fucking blind. I can see Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> I'm just here to share in your excitement. Yeah, growing up, Lils and I were always the 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 two kids who who were like very sarcastic in the corner and making snarky remarks. Oh yeah, but um, uh, that that's that entire scene is the '90s. Hey, are you gonna watch the concert on MTV? And yes, this nondescript concert. Do you remember when MTV used to do that? They used to do live from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then they would have bands like Silverchair and Good Charlotte. Uh, I feel like just the Canada equivalent of that much music would have, like, uh, like I know they would just have, like, aired, like, concerts and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like- I, we We had, so my family paid extra to get the, the giant package that came with much music there were there were concerts from um uh oh my god what's what's the big arena in toronto oh god uh i think it was like the i think it's like the o2 i want to say yeah i think it was like the o2 at o2 o'clock or something like that and (laughs) and like i i do remember watching like there were alanis morissette and crash test dummy concerts Oh, God, it doesn't get more Canadian than that. <laughs> Presented by Tim Hortons. <laughs> you want some Tim Tams? <laughs> get some Tim Bits. Tim Bits. Double, double up on that double, double. Yeah, Tim Bits. Tim Tams are, are Australia, I think. That feels right. Yeah, Australia and the UK have Tim Tim Tams. And they're a yeah. cookie that have jam in the middle and chocolate on top. Yep. And they have a thing called the Tim Tam Slam. Yep. But 
I, I just remember as a kid being like, hey, did you guys watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert? It, it was it was good, Charlotte. What, where, where's everyone going? <laughs> oh. Life sales of the rich and famous, am I right? Where are all my friends? <laughs> Girls don't like boys. They like cars and money. Hey. <laughs> hey. Guys, where is everyone? But I, oh, Much Music did do one live concert that basically got rebroadcasted. They just changed out who presented it and the fact that it was MTV. It was Dashboard Confessional live. Huh. Yeah, live from Quebec. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember watching it and I fell asleep and the next morning my dad was like, hey, can you... uh?" Turn your TV down from now on because very depressing music was coming from your room. <laughs> let me slip away. So let me slip away. So let me slip away. Vindicated. I am selfish. I am wrong. What? You don't Great want some guy like going, sleep with all the lights on. <laughs> So Toby Maguire was originally, uh, he had a conflict. He was originally cast in October Sky, and Jake Gyllenhaal was going to be in this movie, and they literally just swapped roles. Huh. See, that's another one where I'm like, okay, this would be an alternate universe I am intrigued by. Well, I mean, there's that alternate universe where Tobey Maguire was being such a shit about being in Spider-Man 2 because he wanted more money that he faked getting hurt making Seabiscuit. And they're like, we'll get Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm like, I want to see Spider-Man 2 with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal would have sold nerd as much as Tobey Maguire does in this movie. Yeah. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal... He would have just looked like Donnie Darko. Yeah. Yeah. Like exact it would have just been like, oh, Donnie Darko. I get I guess, you know, not only is he messing with time and space, but I guess he's messing with television too. You've already messed up one reality. <laughs> I still don't understand why Reese Witherspoon in this movie is so, you know, angry. Like, in the very beginning, like, I would be, if I was in her position, I'd be like, what the hell is going on? I wouldn't be terrified like she is. I would be like, well, I mean, I would be terrified. I wouldn't be. Yeah, but then as soon as, like, Paul Walker shows up, she's like, who's he? Who's that? Skip Martin, captain of the basketball team. Does he like me? As a matter of fact, he does. Oh, Paul Walker showing up in the hot rod. It's killing me. (laughs) It's not the only movie from the late 90s, early 2000s, where where the first image is Paul Walker driving up in a car. She's all that. Joyride. Paul Walker. Why? (laughs) I mean... Well... He spends most of Tammy and the T-Rex inside a T-Rex's body, so... God, not Tammy and the T-Rex. We will never cover that on this podcast. Ah, shuck star. Sorry. (laughs) There's two things I won't do. 
Movies that starred Denise Richards as the main lead and movies that starred Denise Richards as the main lead. <laughs> I'm I a Reese bad. Witherspoon man. Um, I'm a Wither fan. <laughs> a Fanner Spoon. But with, with Reese Witherspoon, I love how she's like, you know what, I'm just going to mess with everything and see what happens. So she gives all of her friends nicknames. And starts uttering cool yeah it's like they wouldn't it wouldn't have changed that much because cool was a a term that they used in the 1950s i mean beatniks used it yeah cool hip cat yeah daddy-o coolio <laughs> like <laughs> although i feel like pleasantville probably would not have been ready for even the beatniks <laughs> i mean they do have that one greaser who plays yeah. Dave Brubeck's Take 5 on the jukebox. <laughs> I'm so cool, I'm playing Take 5. <laughs> and then like oh, yeah. And then when he, when he's colorized you see him again and he doesn't have his leather jacket and he's wearing a button-up shirt. It's like, "Geez, what happened to you, Fonzie? I went through some shit I don't want to talk about." <laughs> yeah, it was just a phase. Oh man, I'm really into saying daddy-o and cool. <laughs> but to be fair, daddy-o rolls off the tongue really well. Yeah. Uh Jeff Daniels as I I guess the whole point with Mr. Johnson is to show that this is a man who had no free will and now he has free will. Like do you think he's a robot? I'm not sure if he's really so much a robot as again, he's just so used to doing just this one assignment day in and day out. Well, n normally you you put out the lettuce and then I put out the cheese and then we, we finished the burger together, but I just stood here and I wiped this table, which how how bad is that varnish on the table that he can wipe it off in under 10 minutes? <laughs> like He was just working that hard. And when, when he gets the art book, I love how he's showing Joan Allen and he's like, yeah, Bud brought it to me. And she's like, my Bud? And he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he's clearly ignoring her. He's like, yeah, look at this one now. This is Picasso. Look at this beautifully symbolic painting. Uh, yeah, so the all of the 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 art book, I guess that real person doesn't exist. Eddie Bissell the the wonderful world of art by Eddie Bissell, I guess that was the the pen name that Gary Ross used to use to get his movies made. Huh, I did not know that. Back when he was writing TV. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's just a oh very, inside very baseball subtle Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, I I still don't understand in this entire movie like why their geography class is two roads intersecting like shouldn't it be at least four to make a, a square that that pleasantville is this big it's just these like yeah. four or, or eight roads like yeah because it's like clearly there's like other locations established like lover's lane uh the fire department oh the fire department i i felt so uncomfortable when uh, 
Tobey Maguire is yelling, fire, fire, and they're just looking at him blankly, and he's like, cat? And when they show up, the thing that made me so uncomfortable is just how, like, there is one firefighter who is looking up, and he is way too entranced by that fire. Like, seeing this awoken something in him. <laughs> like, holy shit. Wait, we can light stuff this on fire now? This is what we're meant to be doing? Is this the purpose of being a firefighter? To fight fires? But I want it to burn. I like watching it burn. This is great. Ah, oh, man, the Pleasantville arsonist struck again. <laughs> but how do you explain to people how the fire started? Like, how does Joan Allen... Because you know that only two people knew what was going on. Reese Witherspoon, because she's the one who ta taught her how to take a bath, and Joan yep. Allen. So I just picture Reese Witherspoon looking out her window, seeing, <laughs> seeing the fire, then going to the bathroom, and accidentally walking in on Joan Allen and putting two and two together and be like... I wasn't here. This isn't my fault. I am leaving. <laughs> but at the same time, also thinking like, good on you. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I just love what she says to Joan Allen. She's like, you know, you can take care of yourself. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> I, I wish she had to explain it more to Joan Allen. She's like, I don't follow you. Well, you see, mom, what you can do. And then she explains it. I don't get it. Yeah. Like, just a bit where it takes like two hours to explain <laughs> what she's talking about. This movie is way dirtier than I anticipated. And I'm like, this is only PG-13? And more importantly, yeah. once again, my parents let me watch this as a kid. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I like I'm pretty sure, like... I rented this I guess a the lot. Canada rating system is a little more different up here. Like, I guess our... PG-13s, like, sometimes it'll be rated PG or 14A, depending on, like, what's in it. This was probably a 14A. I think I remember this being 14A. Yeah. 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 No, this was a PG-13. <laughs> and uh, I think it was PG-13 for adult situations. Yep. I feel like what stopped it from, like, really going into, like, the R category is that, like, nobody says fuck. Or, like, there's actually very little profanity in this movie. Yeah, I think there's one shit, and that's about it. Yeah, one shit and maybe, like, one hell and one damn. Yeah, but that's about it. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I also love how Reese Witherspoon is just, like, after a point, she's like, I want to read, and she gets into a fight with Paul Walker and just knees him right in the nuts to keep her yep. book during the book burning. And yep. the entire trial scene, like the, the fact that they need to do a code of conduct, like it, it just reminds you how like backwards, you know, some time yeah. periods were. Exactly where it's just like, oh, there are some rules in place that only benefit a small minority of people. Wee! Don't like that. I mean, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want? Uh, 
I feel like the one thing that definitely stood out to me uh, was the sense that uh, I get that it was a, it's supposed to be a 1950s homage and everything. And even though they stay true to that, the fact that there are no people of color in Pleasantville. Well, yeah, they were trying to do that as the allegory. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Hence why there's like the no colored sign where it's like, okay, yep, this is definitely not subtle one bit. Yeah. Like, would it be as meaningful if they actually did like. Right. Have POC. Yes. Yeah. And and that's just the thing about this movie. Um, Like. Back in 98, that was a huge thing. Like, this was a very groundbreaking movie. This was actually the first fully CGI effects-driven movie, and no one realizes it, because they had to do do a ton of digitization to blend in uh, the black and white with the color. Oh, totally, yeah. It's like, like, it's definitely still really impressive to this day. Right. Yeah. Um, So... Wow, this has been a short episode. Um, how many bagels do you give this? I would definitely give this movie uh, seven to eight bagels out of 13. Okay. I'm going nine. I still love this movie. I mean, it doesn't age well with certain things. I mean, but I still mm-hmm. always get a kick out of all of the basketballs going in. And then as oh, soon yeah, as... Oh, yeah, that's a fun little part. And how Tobey Maguire is just bouncing the basketball off his foot and, and, you know, getting it in every time. Oh, I was just waiting for him to do, like, the granny-style dunk. <laughs> oh, Grandmama. Yep, where it's just, like, through through the legs and just oh. scooping right up, tossing it up, and then, whoop, yep. it goes right in. <laughs> But then when, when Paul Walker explains to them what happens at Lover's Lane and then everyone misses, that gets me every time. I'm like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I definitely the firefighter scene where it's just like, fire, fire. Cat. Cat! Oh my god, we gotta put this, we gotta get out there. But then like, they're like, really that poor cat. <laughs> and of course, it's just a really visually gorgeous movie to look at, too. Right, right, right. That might actually bump it to an eight bagels now that I think about it. I'm sticking a nine. So it's like we, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, do you want to promote anything? Oh, yes. Uh, So I have a slew of projects. Uh, I've done plenty of podcasts with uh, Geeks versus Nerds. Uh, You can look for West Coast Geeks versus Nerds on Spotify uh apple podcasts uh i also run a live stream with my boyfriend called weird crushes uh we're currently doing an all-star gauntlet uh we run a facebook group where you can watch these streams uh you can look for it with uh weird crushes a scorchingly silly stream uh it's a private group so you're gonna have to send in like a uh, fill out a couple questions just so we know you're not a spam bot or a douche. <laughs> awesome. And you were just on my other podcast, Hell is a Musical, which that is coming out, I believe, this month. Um, nice. You were on for Hairspray also. So I guess you're just set in the 1950s and 60s. Um, 
<laughs> I just have one of those retro appeals. Uh, so, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, like us on Facebook. No one likes the Facebook page. Um, <laughs> and then Hell is a Musical is on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us at writersbagelbasket.com. Jenna, thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. Bye.